Welcome to the Maternal and Child Health Podcast, where we discuss maternal and child health topics and provide strategies for improving the health of Navajo families. Hello, I am your host, Shandina George. So I'm originally from Tuba City, Arizona, where I live and work at Diné College. Um, we just want to appreciate our listeners for joining us today. I am alongside my co-host and colleague, Jessica Johnson. Jessica, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, yat and welcome. I am your co-host, Jessica Johnson. I'm also from Tuba City, Arizona, uh, where I also live and work at Diné College. Uh, so today we're going to talk with our special guest, Dr. Deanna Hu with Tuba City Regional Healthcare Cooperation to discuss children and COVID-19 vaccinations. Dr. Hu, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure. Thanks for inviting me, you guys. Um, my name is Diana Hu, and I am a pediatrician here at Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation. I've actually um, practiced on the reservation um, in the pediatric uh, in, in pediatrics for about 35 years. So I've seen a lot of you all grow up who are listening, um, taking care of some of your parents as well. Um, I also am on the what's called the Epi Response Team, which is the epidemic response team here for Tuba City, um, and I am the uh, vaccine coordinator for the Navajo Area Indian Health Service. So I help coordinate vaccine policy for um, children and some, a little bit for adults across the Navajo Nation for the IHS facilities as well as the travel facilities. And I'm very honored to have been able to work here on the reservation and, and work with um, all of you for so long. It's a great place to work. Okay, thank you for giving our listeners um, more insight into who you are and what you do here in Tuba City. Uh, so we just want to thank you again for joining us, Dr. Hu. We are excited to have you. Yes, we're so excited to have you with us today. And we are definitely looking forward to you sharing your knowledge and experiences. Uh, so we'll go ahead and begin with our first question. Why should children get vaccinated for COVID-19? I think that is a great question. And I get asked that question every day when I'm in clinic because there's a bit of a misconception that children don't get sick with COVID. I know in the very beginning of the pandemic, and many of you probably remember that was our first fateful case on the Navajo Nation was actually on March 17th in 2020. Um, you know, even though we call it COVID-19, it really hit the United States in, um, in 2020. And it hit the adult population very hard. And as you know, there was a, a lot of loss and a lot of illness. And mistakenly, I think people thought that children didn't get this um, illness. It is true that children don't get as sick with the illness, but it is, we, we think that the beginning of the pandemic, because of the limited resources, we didn't test children. We, could, we didn't have enough test kits, and so we were saving them for people that were ill. And so we disproportionately tested adults, and I think that's when people thought that children didn't get this disease. We know that that is totally not true, and especially with the new variants, excuse me, highly contagious variants like the Omicron variant, that children are probably equally as affected and they can clearly transmit COVID to other people in their families. 
So for example, I was just looking at some of the data from the CDC. They think that the cumulative um, number of, of reported, and, and once again, reported is much less than who probably actually has it out there, 24 million children have been reported to have um, COVID disease, and most likely those are the more severe children because they came to medical attention. Um, 24 million have had reported COVID since the beginning of the pandemic. So it, it's not that it doesn't affect children. And so I think people thought, oh, well, children don't get it, or children don't get that sick. Well, that's actually not true either. The number of hospitalizations for COVID has been significant for children. Children have unfortunately passed from COVID-related complications or have had long COVID, just like adults have had. So we think it is a significant illness in children. So that's point number one, is that to really make clear that it is a significant illness in children um, and that people shouldn't say, well, it doesn't happen in children. So because of that, we have a vaccine that we know prevents severe illness. We all know now that once again, COVID is very smart and has mutated oh, dozens of times and has evaded some of the protection from the original vaccine. But it is very clear that vaccination decreases your risk of hospitalization. It decreases your risk of having severe disease. It may decrease your risk of having um, long COVID, um, both in adults and in children. And so having a vaccine that will decrease what we call the morbidity, meaning the significant consequences of this illness, is a good reason to get vaccinated, right? Yes. Thank you, Dr. Hu, for your response. I think that that misconception is definitely going to be a lot beneficial for our listeners that children do not get sick from COVID-19 and kind of clearing that up that, yes, they are definitely a risk, a high-risk population as well, and they can get sick with COVID-19, and these vaccinations are very beneficial for children. So we'll go ahead and pass it to Shandina for the next question. So for our second question, um, what are some of the common side effects in children who have gotten vaccinated? So hopefully uh, most of your listeners have gotten vaccinated themselves, so they know what the side effects are in adults. Um, the side effects in adults, as you know, of the vaccine in general is feeling sick. <laughs> and fortunately, they're usually very self-limited. Um, you know, having received it myself, I can tell you what I had, but the, the statistics show that in general, people do get a little tired, they get some sore arms. They sometimes get what's called lymph nodes, meaning bumps in their armpit, um, can be on the same side of the vaccination or even on the other side of the vaccination. Um, some people get fever. Some people get what's called myalgias, meaning like body aches. Um, some people get headache. People who have had COVID before say it, it feels kind of like when they first started to get COVID, uh, but it's very brief. It's about, you know, most people who get it, they feel sick for a day, maybe two, and then they're done. In children, because the dose is less for most for children under age 12, um, and when they did the studies, they showed that the actual reaction rate was less. Um, but the immunogenicity, meaning that they, they reduced the dose of uh, in the vaccines, but they kept it high enough to make sure that they had a good immune response, um, so that the vaccinations are tailored to children by size, et cetera, and age, so that their risk of getting side effects is slightly less. They appear to be less severe. And that definitely is what we're seeing um, in the clinic is when I talk to families about getting their second vaccination and I say, you know, well, did your child have any um, reactions to the vaccine? They go, nah, he was fine. You know, or maybe they felt a little tired or I gave them a little Tylenol and they were fine. So it's the same spectrum, but it appears to be less. Now, the one side effect that is different, and this may be jumping a little bit to the, your next question about the risks, 
There is one side effect that appears to be different in younger men. Um, and we, we actually, the, the data was initially discovered in, in men who are um, from 18 and um, to 30, but it has been also seen in down to age 12, is that there is a side effect called heart inflammation that occurs about two weeks after the second dose. Um, and we'll talk about it when we talk about the other risks. But um, the common side effects are, once again, maybe a little fever, feeling a little tired, being a little fussy. Um, and that's really about it. Okay, yeah, that's great information. I think one thing that I took from that was it's important for our listeners to know that the vaccination dose is less in children now that we are seeing that the symptoms are less severe in adults as well. So that's really good to know. And then we can go ahead and go on to our third question. Yeah, so uh, the next question we have is, are there any risks for getting the vaccine? So as I mentioned before, there is one risk. Okay, so there's, as you know, there are now three different types of COVID vaccines. The one that everyone has heard the most about is the mRNA vaccines, which are the Moderna and the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines. Um, once again, it was relatively new technology, but has been used um, in, had been, been, they've been working on vaccines um, with mRNA technology for many years beforehand for some of the more rare um, diseases like Ebola in Africa, et cetera. Um, the mRNA vaccines, as you know, we probably have more data now about how they work and how effective they are from this COVID pandemic than any other vaccine in, in, in creation because obviously because it was new technology and it was rolled out so aggressively across the world to prevent death and to prevent hospitalization, data has been collected about the safety, et cetera. So with the mRNA vaccines, um, and it is both with the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, this one incredibly rare side effect that has been seen is heart inflammation, primarily in young men, primarily in young men between the ages of 12 and 30. The heart inflammation, usually what it causes is something called myocarditis. Uh, myocardium is our medical name for the heart muscle, and itis is inflammation. So it's not an actual infection of the heart, but it's an inflammation of the heart muscle. And it usually presents as um, the patient says that they have chest pain or they may feel like their heart is beating too fast or they may feel like they have um, shortness of breath when they're just doing mild activities. There have been several, so these cases have all been studied and um, there have been reports from the pediatric and adult hospitals. Um, they have, in general, these patients don't have to be hospitalized, but some do. Um, they actually, we do some evaluations in the emergency department to look at uh, how much inflammation there is for the heart muscle. Pretty much, I'd say 95% of people have not required hospitalization. A couple of children have required for observation. It goes away, and it is a reportable disease to the CDC, so they are continuing to track that. Those people do, of course, get a good response, obviously immune response to COVID. And statistically, COVID infection causes more risk to the heart than the vaccine does. And so there has been a long discussion about the relative risk of this complication, this incredibly rare complication, compared to the relative risk of not getting vaccinated and possibly getting COVID and possibly getting heart infection or heart complications from COVID, um, it has been shown that the risk of the vaccine is less than the risk for um, if you actually got COVID. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so basically kind of um, for our listeners out there, 
um, the risk for heart inflammation is more in those who are infected with COVID rather than those who have received the vaccine. Um, but yeah, Correct. for our listeners out there, like Dr. Who was explaining, uh, one of the common side effects in the mRNA strain um, is heart inflammation, and this is more common in the men population. So thank you, Dr. Who, for sharing that. I think our right, but I want to make sure very clear that it is a side effect, but it is not common. It is extremely rare, but was noted. And that's why, once again, why we have all this information and surveillance systems is that any complication that we see, even very rare, we want to know if that's something that's going to be happening in other people. So it's associated with that vaccine. It is not common. It is very rare. Okay. But the I just I just want to comment on a couple of the other two vaccines. So the the other vaccine that people have heard about is the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. It is not authorized for use in children. So it is only for people that are 18 and above. Many people chose to get that because it was only one dose in the initial series. Um, all of you know that now we've gone beyond the initial series to many booster vaccines and vaccines for variants and things like that. So I'm not going to really dwell on that. But that vaccine. When it was rolled out, it was a single dose, and it was a different technology. It is actually, um, it's what's called a viral vector vaccine, so that's very different than an mRNA vaccine. Um, that technology had been used, once again, for other kinds of vaccines. So some people felt that they would like to get that because they were either didn't want to have two shots, didn't want to um, have a new technology, et cetera. That vaccine in, young, in women has actually been shown to cause an increased rate of blood clots, unexplained blood clots. And so actually in the U.S., we are really um, not using that vaccine. We are advising young women to never use it and that it isn't even authorized for children. And then a new vaccine called the Novavax vaccine uh, was actually um, just licensed three months ago in the United States. It actually was, there was a trial of the Novavax vaccine here on Navajo uh, in the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, it uses, once again, a different technology called a conjugate technology or adjuvant technology where they use a molecule that sort of teaches your immune system to respond to the COVID virus spike protein in a different way that the, than the mRNA one does. Um, but once again, it is a technology that's been used for other kinds of vaccines in the past. And so some people feel like they would like to use that one instead, or they've had a reaction to the mRNA vaccines, et cetera. That vaccine is available. We are actually in some of the sites on Navajo. They are, it, it, because so many people have the mRNA vaccines and aren't really interested in the Novavax, the state health department is offering it. The county health departments are offering it. We can special order it if we need to. But that vaccine, once again, has only been out for a couple of months. So the side effect profile, the basic side effect profile is known. It's still the same as like with the mRNA vaccines, which is fever and tiredness and stuff for a couple, like a day or two after the vaccination. But we don't, it does not appear to have any other known major complications, but it hasn't been out for very long. So we have to follow that as well. Wow. Any other questions about risk? No, not right now. But uh, thank you for providing that in-depth elaboration and sharing your knowledge on the risks for getting the vaccinations. So I'll go ahead and pass it to Shandina. Okay, so our last and final question is what is some advice for parents and guardians on how to start a conversation with their children on getting vaccinated? That's a great question because we know that most children do what their parents say, <laughs> right? Um, 
So, so the first thing we want to make sure that people understand is, as we mentioned before, that children can get sick with COVID and children can get significantly ill with COVID. But one of the more important things is children can also communicate, you know, they can, they're contagious. And so they might inadvertently spread this to someone who is at higher risk of a severe case of COVID, like someone who is unvaccinated, who may have diabetes or heart disease or cancer or be immunocompromised. Um, you know, once again, the, the number one risk for getting hospitalized now is that you're unvaccinated. Um, and the, the, but the number one risk for complications is that you have other healthcare, other health conditions. And especially now that a lot of people are not masking anymore, um, I mean, those of you that, you know, live in Flagstaff or, you know, we all travel, right? Um, travel has increased a lot. Gathering has increased a lot. Uh, people were kind of sick of doing all that kind of isolation, et cetera. And off of the Navajo Nation, the mask mandate is gone. And so you know that respiratory illnesses are on the rise, you know, and COVID is, once again, we think that with winter, COVID may have a little spike again. We did see small spikes occurring after the fairs because people were gathering a lot, um, even though there was a relative mass mandate here on the reservation, but people were gathering. So we know that COVID's still around. And our hope, our, our dream will be that COVID will mutate itself into oblivion, but I can't guarantee that's going to happen soon. And so because of that, we want to make sure people know that we have a tool here that will hopefully keep people from being as contagious, because once again, if it decreases your risk of getting the disease, even though it's not 100%, we know vaccinated people can still get COVID, but they get milder disease. That's important to remember, okay? They are also shed virus for a shorter period of time, so they're less contagious. So that's an important thing to remember, too. If we vaccinate children, who are, are the biggest reservoir now for, of unvaccinated people, because we started vaccinating them later, they are going to decrease the, the pool of people that can spread this to the people most at risk. So you're not only doing it for your child and to protect the child, but you're also protecting the family and you're protecting the, the greater community of people that they encounter. So that's sort of that's the altruistic way of looking at it. Not only are you protecting your own child and your own family, but you're also, also helping to protect the community and the most vulnerable in our community. The other thing that I would tell them is that vaccinations, childhood vaccinations, have been the number one public health intervention probably in the last century that has saved lives. We used to have, if you talk to grandparents, they used to talk about children who got, who got very sick when they were little. They had things called meningitis, or they had things called hepatitis A or with liver inflammation, or they had things um, with, called pneumonia. And all these things have actually decreased significantly, things like measles and polio, because of childhood vaccinations. Not this vaccination, not COVID vaccination, because vaccinations are very specific at preventing specific diseases. That's why they're so miraculous, is that they can prevent specific diseases. Um, and so we know that children do respond to vaccines, and it helps prevent others from getting sick. That's a tradition that's been gone on. That's historically been seen for a century. And so once again, Almost everyone here on the reservation is very good about getting the routine required childhood vaccinations for their children. We are very proud to say that the reservation has always had higher vaccination rates for all the regular childhood vaccinations compared to other populations like, you know, in Phoenix or, you know, in California or in Kansas. We have higher vaccination rates because we, have, we feel like we have a good 
interchange with our families here. They've seen people get sick with these other diseases, and they know they don't want their child to get it. And so we hope that that same principle applies for protecting their children from COVID. I know that the number one reason I think that people did not get their children vaccinated was, first off, they thought the children couldn't get sick. So why get a vaccine for something they're not going to get sick from? I get that. But now we know that that's not true, right? But the number two reason was there was a lot of like, why do you want to try something new on my kid, right? Why I don't want my kid to be a guinea pig. I don't want my kid to be experimented on. This is not an experiment. And this is not, this has been well tested. It has been rolled out in, across the world in, for children, for babies, for adults now. I think we have lots of information about the safety profile of these vaccines, and we have lots of information about how it prevents illness. Okay, persistently prevents severe illness and prevents viral shedding, which is very important, right? So if you have a child that wants to have all that intellectual stuff, that's great, right? But on the other hand, it's just mostly knowing that this will protect the child, it'll protect the family more, it'll protect the community. Thank you for your response. So once again, children are contagious, so vaccination is encouraged. And that's just to protect your loved ones and those who are at risk in your homes. But again, like Dr. Hu mentioned, children are less contagious once they are vaccinated, and that helps to slow the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, but uh, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Hu. We really appreciate your time and all the valuable information you provided and shared with us today. Yeah, and thank you guys for asking me to participate. I do want to encourage um, anyone who has any questions beyond this podcast to give a call to our hotline here at Tuba City. Um, every IHS Navajo Nation healthcare facility has some version of our, we something jokingly call it the warm line now because people aren't you know, using it quite as frequently as they were earlier in the pandemic. So it's, um, it is available. They, if they can't answer your questions, they will refer them to one member of the Epi Response team. We also want to make sure that you know how to get your vaccinations. Once again, every healthcare facility on the Navajo Nation, as well as some of our satellite clinics in Lachii and Sacred Peaks and Flagstaff, have a schedule where people can come in and get vaccinated. Here in Tuba, on our main campus, you can come and still get drive-up vaccinations for your um, for your children as well as for adults. Um, we also want to uh, put in a little plug for people get um, that. You know, you can make appointments at, at Flagstaff, appointments um, with the public health departments, et cetera. Um, and as you know, many pharmacies, Safeway, et cetera, are also offering COVID vaccines. So hopefully this, that not having access to a vaccine is not the reason people are not getting vaccinated. The other important thing to remember is that flu vaccinations are super important. The reason people need to get flu vaccinations, I maybe have an increased flu um, season this year because People are starting to be unmasked again, and respiratory viruses are spreading more um, aggressively. We see that at back east that respiratory viruses are spreading more aggressively. And just like with you know COVID vaccines, flu vaccines can decrease your risk of getting the flu. They're not 100%. You can still get the flu after you get vaccinated, but it usually is less. And for some people, it does prevent the flu, um, especially for those at highest risk, which is elders and babies and children under age 5. They really should get vaccinated to prevent the, um, the complications of the flu. And once again, those are usually available at the same places and times that you can get COVID vaccination. Yes, and for our listeners who are interested in wanting to call the Tuba City Regional Healthcare Cooperation Hotline, uh, the number is 928-606-4647, or you can also call 
4865. Thanks for listening to the MCH podcast. For more information about the Navajo MCH project, please visit us on Facebook at the Navajo Maternal and Child Health Project at Diné College.